So I'm just going to go over the things that we began to deal with yesterday and see how we can get this, uh, you know, done this morning. Christ is the gospel. The revelation of Christ is the gospel and the unveiling of the believer in him. The revelation of Christ and the unveiling of the believer in him is the gospel. In Luke chapter 24, verse 25, on the way to Emmaus, Jesus made disciples of his, arguably Cleopas and his wife. They were discussing the event of the past three days. And Jesus said to them, gentlemen, what are you guys talking about? And they said to Jesus, are you a visitor in town? Have you not heard about Jesus, a good guy that was killed the other day? They were preaching Jesus to Jesus, but didn't know Jesus. So a man can be preaching Jesus, but don't know Jesus. And the Bible tells us, Jesus looked at them and said unto them, O fools, slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory and beginning at Moses and all the prophets? He expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So there's a bias to Bible teaching. There's a bias to Bible study. The bias of all Bible study and Bible preaching is himself. He didn't talk about the marriages. He didn't talk about the wars and the rumors of the wars in the Old Testament. He didn't talk about the kings and the kingdom. He spoke concerning himself. Which means that Moses lays the foundation for all of Bible doctrine. So Jesus took Moses' teaching notes and used Moses' teaching notes to teach beginning at Moses and all the prophets. And that was how all the Old Testament, you know, uh, all the Old Testament prophets also used Moses' teaching notes to teach. And then, of course, the apostles came. They all used Moses' teaching notes to teach, which means Moses lays a foundation for all of Bible doctrine, which means the verbiage of Moses opens up all that God intended to do from Genesis chapter 1. So therefore the Bible is a theology. And the theology of the Bible is Christology. That means our theology is Christ. That means outside Christ there is no God. Which means God is revealed in Christ. Are we together in the house? So all of Bible preaching and teaching therefore will find its true expression in Christ. And the believer in Christ unveiled. Now yesterday we began to say that there are tenses to the gospel. I want us to look at a few tenses this morning. Galatians chapter 1 verse 4. Galatians chapter 1 verse number 4. Who gave, who gave himself for our sins. So take note of that word gave. That he might deliver us from this present world, evil world, according to the will of God and our father. Look at Galatians chapter 1 verse 6. Galatians chapter 1 verse 6 I marvel that you are so soon removed from him gave removed from him that called so he gave he called he gave he's not going to call he already called Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 look at the tenses the way brother Paul displayed them in the book of Galatians I have been crucified with Christ I'm not crucified. I have been crucified. That's the original. I have been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. 
But Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. So observe, he talked about gave, he talked about called, he talked about crucified. Galatians chapter 3 verse 2. Galatians chapter 3 verse number 2. This only will I learn of you. Received ye... Received ye the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith received ye. Look at Galatians chapter 3 verse 3. Galatians chapter 3 verse number 3. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now made perfect by the flesh having begun? So we have gave, we have called, we have crucified, we have received, we have begun. Galatians chapter 4 verse 6. Galatians chapter 4 verse number 6. He says, and because you are sons, God hath, God hath, God is not going to, he hath sent forth the spirit of his son into your heart, crying, Abba, Father, sent forth. Galatians chapter 5 verse 23. Galatians chapter 5 verse number 23. Meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. 24. And they that are Christ have crucified they are not going to crucify. They have crucified the flesh with the affections and the laws. Now these are tenses of the gospel that brother Paul kept putting in the face of the church in Galatia. Now I'm going to graduate to something else. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 1. Hebrews now just like Bishop said. The writer of Hebrews wrote to the believing Jews. The non-believing Jews. And they would be believing Jews. That's the premise on which the book of Hebrews was written. So he opens the book with an introduction. And beautiful introduction. God. Now the word God is not in the original. So the original will read. At sundry times and in diverse manners. The prophets spoke to the fathers. Because if God is in verse 1 and God is in verse 2. It will mean God spoke twice. But God didn't speak twice. God spoke once. Once has he spoken. Twice have I heard. So at sundry times and in diverse manners, the prophets spoke to the fathers. And you know, you, you know so the prophets spoke to the fathers. Which fathers? The fathers of the Jews. Next verse. Hath in these last days spoken unto us in his son, not by in, that's the original. By will mean that Jesus is an errand boy for God. But Jesus was not speaking for God. Jesus was not representing God. Jesus was God speaking for himself. Jesus was God revealing himself. Jesus was God walking the face of the earth and correcting men's impressions concerning him. Jesus was the accurate, absolute, total, exact, precise revelation of God. Jesus is the perfect imprint, the architect, the design. Jesus is the intent, the purpose, the plan. Jesus is the one for whom it was created for and is the reason for all of creation. So he is not by, he is, he, he is, 
has spoken unto us in. His is not in the original. In son. So we hear God in Christ. There's no other place to hear God. Only in Christ. And so you don't need a prophet somewhere to hear God. If you are in Christ, you hear God in Christ. I don't need to look for somebody to tell me what God is saying. God lives in me. It will be, it will be funny for God who lives in me to look for somebody outside and tell him to come and tell me. My sheep hear my voice. Except you are a goat. My sheep hear my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they will not hear. So that's why when we teach you the word, we teach you by the same anointing that abides in you. So what we are teaching you, if it is of the spirit of God, there will be a witness. That's why it's difficult for people to resist our message. Because everybody has the spirit of God in him that is born again that bears witness. And when that witness comes, your mind may not understand it, but your heart tells you there's something to what this guy is saying. And that's why you can't stop this message. So, he had spoken. He has spoken. He is not speaking. God is not saying anything new. He has already spoken. In his son, by whom also he hath he made the walls. Now he whom he hath appointed heir, the JB Philip says he's the legal owner of all things. Jesus owns all things. So the fathers by the prophet to us in the son. So you know what the writer of Hebrews just did? He retired the prophets. That's to say their day is over. This is the day of Jesus. This is not the day of Elijah. This is not the day of Jeremiah or the days of David. This is the day of Jesus. He's speaking to us in his son. So the writer of Hebrews in chapter 1 retires the prophets and exalts Christ. Chapter 2, he retires the angels. He removes angel worship. You know the law of Moses is angel worship. So preachers of the law are actually promoting angels' worship against the worship of Christ. Because the angels put your finger in Hebrews, flip to Galatians chapter 3, verse 17. Galatians chapter 3, verse number 17. And this I say, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law. The law which was 430 years after. So Christ predated the law. Christ is the plan. Christ was the plan. Christ will always be the plan. So Christ is not an afterthought. Christ is the thought. He's the logos. He is the idea. He is the intent. Are you following now? Okay, so observe. The law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul. That it should make the promise of known effect. What he's simply saying is that the New Testament is older than the Old Testament. 
Okay, for better explanation. What he's saying is that the New Testament is older than the Old Testament or the Old Testament is younger than the New Testament. So what he's saying is that there was New Testament before Old Testament. What he's saying is the reason for the Old Testament is the New Testament. The law came after in Christ. So in Christ was the thought. And you know, Pastor Wally said it beautiful. Creation did not predate redemption. Redemption predated creation. And it's very easy to see that. Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Barashit, it says, Barashit Elohim, Elohim Barat, Eteshemaim's letter aret. That's to say, in the eternal past, in the deadless past, before the eternity of the eternities began, Elohim created the heavens, Shemaims, and the earth. Now that creation is not the heavens and the earth. Genesis 1.1 is not the heavens and the earth. It is Moses' verbiage for communication. Using what they knew to bring out a spiritual reality. So, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Then he now explains a concept where redemption predates creation. Observe verse 2. And the earth was tohua bohua. That's the Hebrew. The earth was nothing, nothing. So it's not like God created earth and Satan destroyed the earth. Then God came back to recreate. No, no, no. Not, not at all. Nothing was formed. It was Tohua Bohua. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Look at verse 3. And God said, light be light was. That's the original. It's not like let the eye. It's not taking permission from anybody. Light be light words. Now observe. Verse 4 now opens up something. And God saw the light that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. Verse 5 now. And God called the light day. And the darkness he called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. So this is the beginning of creation. Verse 1, 2, 3. Redemption. Verse 4, creation. Moses is speaking spiritual realities. They are not getting it. So he steps down to use a metaphorical communication to still speak the spiritual realities. So Genesis 1, 2, 3 is God's salvation plan. God's redemption plan. How do we establish that? John chapter 1 verse 1. In the beginning, Moses is beginning. In the beginning, Moses is beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. Verse 2. The same was in the beginning. Moses is beginning. All things, verse 3, were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made, verse 4. In him was life. In him was life, and the life was the light of man. 
and the light shines where? In darkness and the darkness cannot comprehend it. Alright, so the light was the life in him. Light be. Light was. So Moses' communication explained by John but opened up by Paul. And God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shone in our hearts. So the darkness in Genesis 1-2 was the state of a man's heart without Christ. What was the plan? Heaven and earth. What is heaven and earth? Immortality, immortality. God in a man. That was the plan. So God was announcing intent in Genesis 1, 1, 2, 3. That my intent is that one day I will take up residence in mortality. I will live in a man. Even though right now his heart is darkness. But I have a plan to command the light to shine in darkness. So the light shines in darkness and the darkness comprehends it not. So redemption before creation. So when they didn't understand, he started talking about creation. And even the creation account is not detailed. Because Moses' writing of creation was not about creation. It was to buttress a spiritual reality using physical illustrations. Just as high as the heaven is above the earth, that is how high the immortal is above the mortal. So heaven and earth is Moses' verbiage that was explained by John and established doctrinally by brother Paul. Are we together here? Now, so Hebrews chapter 1 now tells you that the first thing he did was to retire the, 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 the prophets. Number two, he retired the angels because the angels... Is the law of Moses. Legalism. The message of legalism is angel worship. Galatians chapter 3 verse 18. He's punished. Galatians 3 18. For if the inheritance be of the law, it is no more of promise. But God gave it to Abraham by promise. Next verse. Oh, I love this. Wherefore then, serveth the law, it was added. The law is not the plan. So the preaching of the law is not the plan of God. It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made and the law was ordained by angels. So the preaching of the law is a preaching of angel worship. So that is why the writer of Hebrews retires the angels. To which of the angels said at any time, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. But he commanded all the angels to worship Jesus. So he retires angels in chapter 2 and exalts the office of Jesus. Chapter 3 of Hebrews, he retires Moses. It's a book of retirement and settlement. Number one, retires the prophets. Number two, retires the angels. Number three, retires Moses. Moses is a servant over his house. Christ is a son over his house. Whose house you are. You are his house. You are not Moses' house. We are not servants. We are sons. The spirit of adoption is alive in our hearts. 
We don't cry Jehovah Jireh. We don't cry Jehovah Nisi. We don't cry El Shaddai. We cry Abba Father. That's the spirit of the new creation. That's the spirit of the New Testament. That's the spirit of the... That is all that God intended from Genesis chapter 1. To have a family of sons. And in order for that to come to pass, through the years, the prophets prophesied. The prophets prophesied. And one day, the word of God in the mouth of the prophets took up a body and walked the face of the earth. Explaining what the prophets couldn't explain well to mankind. So he retires Moses in chapter 3 of, of, of Hebrews. In chapter 4 of Hebrews, he now retires Joshua. For if Joshua had given them rest, he wouldn't have spoken of another day. So therefore, there remained. So Canaan was not God's promise. That's why Moses didn't feel bad not going. Moses was not interested in Canaan because he knew what was in Canaan. He had already seen Christ. So, the writer of Hebrews retires Moses and he says, Joshua never gave them rest because the rest was not what Joshua will give. The rest was not a Saturday. The rest was not a Sabbath. In Matthew 21, they asked Jesus, why do your disciples eat on the Sabbath day and exert their labors? He said, have you not read that Moses, I mean David, he was hungry with his boys. They entered the temple. They were not priests. They ate the shoe bread, him and his boys. And nothing happened to them. You know what Jesus was telling them? God never lived in that temple. God never lived in that tabernacle. Outer court, holy place, holy of holies, were Moses' verbages for communicating spirit, soul, and body that Christ will live in. When Moses spoke, they didn't understand. He constructed. It's like a teacher. You are teaching your students, they are not catching. You use illustrations to drive your point. So he built for them a physical tabernacle, put outer court, put holy place, put holy of holies. That's why the writer of Hebrews will say, even the sacrifices they gave never pleased God. God never asked for sacrifices. But Moses had no other way of communicating the message other than giving them economic waste. Bring animals every year. Because I want to drive that there's a lamb that will die to save you. But since you can't catch it, be bringing animals for adventure. In the 10th or 20th year, the message will register. He never offered an animal. Moses never brought any because there was nothing in the, in the animals. He already knew the message. They didn't know the message, so they had to be bringing animals. That's why they say he says servant over his house. Moses was in charge so he could do anything he needed to do with them to communicate. 
God never lived in a tabernacle. That's why nobody died in that tabernacle. There was no account of death. Why? Because that tabernacle was Moses' teaching notes. That was the way Moses could explain to them that heaven and earth will be a reality. That God will live in a man someday. They couldn't understand. Build me a tabernacle that I may dwell among. That I may dwell, not visit. I want to take up residence in a tabernacle. So Moses is trying to say you are the tabernacle, but they can't get it. So he builds outer court, holy place, holy of holies, spirit, soul, body. Christ lives in your spirit. He has bought your mind, so there's a renewal. He has paid for your body, so there will be resurrection. He owns all of it. Spirit, soul, and body. And observe, observe, observe. Under Moses' teaching notes, when they brought the animal for yearly sacrifice, the priest didn't examine the sinner. He examined the animal. And if the animal was okay, the sinner is asked to go. But remember, the animal didn't have the power to make the sinner not sin. So as they were going, they were going to continue in sin. But as they are continuing, they must have a goat. When they sin, they feed the goat. When they sin, they feed the goat because of their hope. At the end of the year, they bring the goat. That's Moses' teaching notes. He was telling them one day, somebody's sin will take care of you and somebody's there to take care of your sins. But they were not getting it, so they kept bringing sacrifices. Now, you know what I say to the legalists. If the blood of an animal could cover a man for one year, the blood of a goat could cover a sinner who is still sinning for one year. How much more the blood of Jesus the blood of the Lamb, without blemish, the blood of Jesus, eternal sacrifice. Oh, glory to God. Somebody shout glory. Look at Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. Hebrews chapter 10 verse 12. I'm, I'm going to stay a bit in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10 verse Can we all read together like a mask while everybody want to go? But this man, after he had offered how many? One sacrifice for what? For sins? For how long? Forever. What did he do? Why did he sit down? No more sin to deal with. Walk down. He's resting. You rest along. Look at verse 14. Same Hebrews 10. Verse 14. Oh, let's read together. Everybody wants to go. For by one he had forever one offering. So in chapter 4, the writer of Hebrews retires Joshua. Chapter 3, retires Moses. Chapter 2, retires the angels. Chapter 1, retires the prophets. Chapter 5, he retires Melchizedek. He collapses the Melchizedek system. The priesthood of Jesus is the real. The priesthood of Melchizedek is a pointer. So now the real has come, the pointer is retired. In chapter 6, he now says, let's leave all these dead works. Let's go on to perfection. So he retires the dead works that were offered as Moses' teaching note to buttress a spiritual reality. He now says, we are persuaded better things that accompany salvation better things that once you are saved you are eternally saved you know pastor wallace somebody asked me he said dr damina what about hebrews chapter four chapter six verse four 
it is impossible for those who were once enlightened, who have tested of the heavenly gift, and were made partakers of the Holy Ghost. Next verse. And have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the world to come. Next verse. If they shall fall away, to renew them again unto repentance, seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh and put him to an open shame. You say salvation cannot be lost. What about Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4? I said Hebrews chapter 6 verse 4 is the guarantee for eternal salvation. That is actually the lacuna. That's the main gist of eternal salvation. That Hebrews they are using is actually the mainstay of eternal salvation. Observe. The key word there is, is impossible, number one. Then number two. Number two, verse six. Mutala <laughs> katana. Seeing they crucify to themselves the Son of God afresh. It's impossible to crucify him. The death was one. The sacrifice was one. You can't kill Jesus twice. So since you can't kill Jesus twice, once you have tasted all of that, it's impossible to fall. That's a guarantee. If you can't kill Jesus a second time, then you can't lose salvation. You can't be saved twice. Once saved, always saved. It's called eternal life, not temporal life. It's called eternal redemption, not conditional redemption. I'm teaching good this morning. Now stay with me, stay with me. Chapter 7, he collapses the entire Levitical priesthood. In chapter 7. Look at Hebrews chapter 7, verse 11. Hebrews 7, 11. Please pay attention. Ay, 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 ay. If therefore, perfection, we are by the Levitical priesthood. For under it, the people receive the law. And jealous trace care. The worship of angels. What further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron. Watch this. Next verse. Oh, I love this. For the priesthood being changed, there is made of necessity a change also of the law. The priesthood has changed. So the law has changed. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. Are you still here? Now look at the next verse, verse 13. For he of whom these things are spoken pertained to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar. Talking about Jesus. Next verse. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. So he collapses the Levitical priesthood because Jesus didn't come from Levi. So priesthood changed. That means the law changed. The law is no more the law of sin and death. It's the law of the spirit of life in 
in Christ Jesus. Chapter 8 of Hebrews. He retires the Old Testament and establishes the new. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 13. We're, we're preaching on Christ plus nothing. In that he saith a new covenant. He had made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish away. Now when we say old covenant, you must realize we're not talking about Genesis to Malachi. The old covenant is not books. And the new covenant is not books. Because there is new covenant in old covenant. And there is old covenant in new covenant. So old covenant is a relationship. And new covenant is a relationship. Old covenant is a relationship with God that is predicated on human performance. New covenant is a relationship with God that is predicated on what Christ has done. So, the old covenant is retired, relating with God on my terms, and the new covenant now takes over, which is relating with God on the terms of what Christ has done. So, chapter 8, he retires the old covenant. Chapter 9, he retires the tabernacle. Just like I told you that the tabernacle had nothing. And I'm going to prove it to you. Because chapter 10 verse 1. Please pay attention. Hebrews chapter 10 verse number 1. For the law having a shadow. The word shadow is the word skia. Something that is obscure. Something that you look at but you can't see the details. So the law is a shadow. How many of you know that in a shadow there is darkness? So the law is darkness. It has a shadow of good things to come and not the very image of the things. So the law can never. The law can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the commas thereon to perfect. There was nothing in the law to perfect anybody. So the sacrifices they brought never had any result, never had any effect. If I look at verse 2, you will love this. Verse 2. For then will they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshippers once purged should have had no more conscience of sin. So if the animal sacrifice was good enough, they would have offered once and it would have taken care. But because it was not good enough, they kept bringing, they kept bringing, they kept bringing. Now observe verse 3. You will love this. Oh my goodness. But in those sacrifices, there is a remembrance again. So every time they brought the animal, they remember that they were sinners. Just like every time you confess sin, you lose your righteous consciousness. Just like they brought animals every year to offer, people confess sin are like people bringing animals every year to offer. And there is, there is no freedom in that. It only makes you more conscious and keeps you in slavery. Look at verse 4. You will love this. For it is not possible. It is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. So if the blood couldn't take away sin, Moses, why are you asking us to bring animals every year? 
No power in those animals. Now look at the next verse. Next verse. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, sacrifice an offering that wouldest not. But a body has thou prepared me. You don't want animals. There's a body of prepared me. Next verse. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. No. Never. That's why a David in the Old Testament, I love David. He said, God, you know what? I know I have sinned. I know I have messed up. But animal sacrifice is not what you're looking for. Because if that's what you want, I will give you all the animals in the land. But I know you. You don't want animals. You want a broken heart. And a contrite spirit. And that's what happens in the new creation. He takes away the stony heart. He gives you a new heart. A heart of flesh. So David was speaking New Testament language. He said, God is not animals. I will have brought all the animals for you. But you have no pleasure in them. So in chapter 10, he retires the shadows. In chapter 11, he retires the Old Testament faith in the promise. And he tells you, they looked forward but never had it. Then chapter 12. Look away. Look away from Abraham. Look away from Moses. Look away from all of them. Looking unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of faith. So you look away from the Old Testament. You look unto Jesus, the mediator of the New Testament. So our faith in the New Testament is hinged on Christ. And you know Bishop Wally did a good job on faith and grace. But something to add. Even the faith is not yours. So both the faith and the grace are given to you by Christ. Because you can't even believe until you hear the gospel. So it is the gospel you hear that produces the faith and the faith takes hold of the grace and you are saved. So both the faith and the grace are all given. Isn't that beautiful? So from finish to start, it is God's work. So Paul will say, being confident of this very thing, that he that has started this good work in you, he will be faithful to finish it. I thought somebody will shout hallelujah. Then finally, the writer of Hebrews concludes the book by saying, Jesus the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. So from beginning to finish, it's been Jesus. Old Testament, they believed in Christ. Today, we don't only believe in Christ. We have him as our reality. I thought somebody would shout hallelujah. So the writer of Hebrews retires the Old Testament and points all of their eyes on Christ and what Christ has done. And let me tell you the truth. If you're going to grow up spiritually... Whether you are a member of this church or not, if you're going to grow up spiritually, you must open up to feed on Christ. No diet grows a man spiritually like Christ. No diet. 
The only diet you must hear all the time, like you've had in this conference. Every preacher who came spoke about Christ and what Christ has done. That's all you keep hearing. And the more you hear that, the more you grow into the fullness of all that God has made available to you. And that's what Paul told Philemon, that the communication of your faith will become effectual when you acknowledge every good thing that is in you, in Christ Jesus. The only thing in you, if you're in Christ, they are good things. Good things. No ancestral nonsense. No generational nonsense. All you have is good things. Everything that is good is what Christ has put in you. So the prayer is that the eyes of your understanding be flooded with light. That you may know. That you may know. That you must come to a place of accurate understanding. Of all that Christ has provided. And let me tell you the truth. When you come to that place. You walk with confidence. You walk with boldness. And you take hold of what is yours. Boldly without apologizing. Can somebody shout hallelujah. Get on your feet. That's all I've got for you in this service. Praise God forevermore. Are you blessed this afternoon? Lift your right hands to heaven. Father, thank you for your precious priceless word. Zekola Namada. Zekola Dababas.